Welcome back to our award-winning podcast, where we decode the complexities of impactful research and transform them into engaging conversations you can wrap your head around. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're unraveling a really vital topic, youth employment programs in Ghana. With a 19.7% unemployment rate amongst the youth, it's an issue that demands attention. Right, Jen. And we're not just talking about it in broad strokes. We're diving into a specific study titled Empirical Review of Youth Employment Programs in Ghana. What's fascinating, Tom, is that despite the well-intentioned employment initiatives over the years, there's been no formal assessment of their real-world impact. Good point, Jen. It seems without such evaluations, policymakers are in the dark about which programs are home runs and which ones are striking out when it comes to really supporting youth employment. Absolutely, and this study emphasizes the need for better coordination and a centralized system for program design and implementation. That's right, Jen. Not to mention rigorous evaluations, which, mind you, are super necessary to get the empirical evidence on their efficacy. So the researchers did their homework. They looked at existing literature, conducted interviews, focus groups, and to top it off, they embedded qualitative data from various stakeholders. Mm. Now, Ghana has seen a whole spectrum of programs, from skill training and job placement to providing seed capital and subsidies. But this study found some real challenges. Program duplication, a lack of strategic coordination between initiatives, and surprise, no real impact assessments. Which, in layman's terms, is kind of like shooting in the dark, hoping to hit the target. The study lists out quite a few programs, and it seems each has its strengths and struggles, doesn't it? Exactly, Jen. For example, the Youth Employment Agency runs modules in different sectors like agriculture and health, but it's facing funding issues and lacks a sustainable exit strategy for the participants. Then there's the Nation Builders Corps that aims to give temporary job placement to graduates. It seems successful on the surface, with many participants finding jobs post-program, but Tom, the delays in payment were a setback. Good point. And not all programs are facing resource issues. The Youth and Afforestation Program, for instance, focuses on employing youth to plant trees and combat illegal mining impacts. Though it's faced financial and logistical challenges, it's boosted public awareness about forest protection. And let's not forget the entrepreneurial and agricultural programs aimed at fostering young business minds and agribusiness professionals. Now, onto the political angle. Jen, it seems that politics plays a big role in the design and implementation of these programs, doesn't it? It certainly does, Tom. Each new government tends to roll out its own programs, aiming to fulfill electoral promises or to create an image of tackling the youth employment issue head-on. Right. The study suggests having a more centrally coordinated system could minimize program overlaps and strengthen their impact. And here's a novel idea from the researchers. Systematic impact evaluations using advanced experimental methods. That way, we'd actually know if the programs are effective or if they're just feel-good placebos. Absolutely, Jen. They're suggesting both short-term outcomes and longer-term impact evaluations to really get a grip on what works and what doesn't. So the bottom line? Ghana needs centralization, strategic design, real-time monitoring, evaluation, and a dollop of transparency to serve up effective youth employment programs. Couldn't agree more, Jen. Listeners, it's not just about the number of programs out there, but about the change they bring to the job market 
and to the lives of the youth in Ghana. And on that note, that wraps up our thoughtful dissection of the youth employment programs in Ghana. We take our hats off to the researchers for bringing light to such a crucial topic. Stay tuned for more insightful episodes. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen, signing off. But not without reminding you, stay curious, stay informed, and keep learning. Do you hear that majestic sound, Jen? It's not your average brass band serenading the airwaves. Oh, Tom, that's because it's no ordinary performance. It's the Crystal Trumpet Symphony. Solutions, a spectacle so luxurious you'll think you've stepped into a diamond mine of melodies. Imagine a full orchestra where every instrument sparkles because it's made entirely of the finest hand-blown crystal. And it's not just about the looks, folks. These trumpeteers can blow. Dressed in diamond-studded tuxedos, they're not just playing music, they're putting on a full-scale bling concert. From the shimmering high notes to the crystal-clear melodies, your senses will be so dazzled, you'll need to pinch yourself. With a slogan like, we blow your mind, not just our trumpets, you're in for a mind-bending experience. And we're not just talking about the sound waves. Want to add some sparkle to your soiree, or need to make a grand gesture that screams, I'm posh and I know it? Call Crystal Trumpet Symphony Solutions. Because why settle for ordinary music when you can have an orchestral diamond shower? Book now, and the only thing shattering will be your expectations, not the crystal. Thanks to Crystal Trumpet Symphony Solutions for sponsoring this podcast, where every ad is an opus and every sponsor is a high note. Just be sure not to drop the beat or the crystal. Welcome back to our latest episode of The Knowledge Lighthouse. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today we've got a fascinating topic for you. We're going to dive into the paper titled Price-Mediated Contagion with Endogenous Market Liquidity by Zhiyu Kao and Zachary Feinstein, but don't worry, we'll explain everything as if you're brand new to the subject. That's right, Jen. This paper is all about understanding how a drop in asset prices can create a kind of domino effect that affects banks and financial institutions. It's like saying, when your neighbor's house is on fire, yours is at risk too. So let's get started with the basics. Market liquidity is how easily assets can be bought or sold in the market without affecting the asset's price. Imagine trying to sell a vase at a yard sale. If there are lots of buyers, you can sell it easily without dropping the price much. That's high liquidity. Now, prior studies assumed market liquidity was fixed, that it didn't change, regardless of how stressed the system was. But we all know that's not how the real world works, right, Jen? Absolutely, Tom. In the real world, and in this paper, the market's ability to swallow up assets that banks are trying to offload isn't constant. It changes based on lots of factors. This is what endogenous market liquidity is all about. Think of it this way. Our financial system is a network interlinked through debts and ownership. If one bank gets into trouble and starts selling off assets, it can affect the prices of those assets and thereby hit other banks' balance sheets. That's what they call price-mediated contagion. It's like an infection that spreads through price changes in the market. And if banks keep selling assets in a weak market, prices fall further and the cycle worsens. The authors of this paper introduce a framework to handle this situation where market liquidity is part of the equation. They use what's called a joint clearing system, essentially a model 
that helps figure out how the financial system reaches equilibrium over time with all these factors at play. It's like trying to balance a complex mobile where touching one part can make it all tilt. And they found that under certain mild assumptions, you will reach an equilibrium, meaning the system will find a balance. But there's a catch. This balance can take the form of the highest or lowest prices that can be reached under those conditions. They also show some cases where you might get more than one possible equilibrium. It's like reaching a fork in the road and having several paths leading to different versions of balance. The big takeaway here is that by including market liquidity into their models, the authors could see how the lack of liquidity can worsen the impact of asset sales, something we saw in the 2008 financial crisis. In essence, this paper helps us understand how stressed banks can affect market liquidity, which in turn can increase the severity of a financial crisis. So there you have it, folks, a simplified look at a complex topic that has real-world implications for our global economy. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to subscribe for more insightful discussions here on the Knowledge Lighthouse. Until next time, keep your wits sharp and your curiosity alive. Are you tired of the same old spaghetti on Earth? Want to take your taste buds on an astronomical adventure? Then buckle up, space cadets. It's time to blast off with Galactic Noodle Nebula, Inc. Introducing Astro Spaghetti, the pasta that's literally out of this world. Grown on the glorious rings of Saturn by moonlight farmers. Twirled to perfection by the delicate arms of our cosmic chefs. Each noodle defies the very laws of gravity, and each bite is a big bang of flavor. Slurp with the stars and savor the secrets of the universe with every mouthful. Forget the oven. Your meal deserves a spaceship. And with zero gravity, you won't just twirl your fork. You'll orbit it. So put on your space helmet and unsheathe your forks. It's time to dine in a galaxy far, far away as you, together, experience the taste of the cosmos with Galactic Noodle Nebula, Inc. Astronauts eat it. Martians crave it. Get your Astro Spaghetti today and remember, together, the sky's not the limit when you're dining with Galactic Noodle Nebula, Inc. Hello, and welcome back to our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom, alongside my amazing co-host, Jen. And today we're diving into a revolutionary topic in the world of finance and business management. That's right, Tom. Today's episode is all about predictive AI for financial performance management in SMEs and large enterprises. We'll decipher a fascinating paper by Ricardo Cuervo and turn all that complex jargon into something you can not only understand, but also apply to your business or investments. And before we unwrap the content of this paper, let's set the stage with what financial performance management is all about. It's the heartbeat of any business, determining if your company thrives or takes a nosedive. Historically, it's been all about crunching numbers from balance sheets and income statements. Right, Jen? Exactly, Tom. Financial ratio analysis is a traditional yet fundamental method that looks at liquidity, operational efficiency, and profitability. Think of it like a financial health checkup that compares you to the competition, targets improvements, and tracks your progress over time. Now, Cuervo's study kicks things up a notch by introducing new financial ratios that include cash flow statement data and macroeconomic conditions. It's not just about looking at static historical data anymore. It's about predicting future performance and assessing financial risks. 
he's bringing machine learning and neural networks into the mix, which is like giving your financial analysis a supercharged engine. These AI-driven models can learn from complex data and predict key financial outcomes like return on assets or net margins. And when it comes to the actual findings, it's quite the game changer. Corvo's research shows that adding these new ratios can bump up the accuracy of these models considerably. Plus, the study shows that feedforward neural networks seem to be simpler and perform the best across various predictive tasks unless specific conditions favor Bayesian networks. Bayesian networks have this cool additional perk. They can give us probability distributions instead of just a single outcome prediction. So you're not just getting a number, you're getting the likelihood of different financial scenarios. It's about having a more nuanced understanding of risk. All in all, the implication for CFOs and CEOs is massive. These tools could help steer companies toward profitability and give investors a better grasp of a company's health. Lenders, too, could benefit from more accurate assessments of a company's condition. So that's the overview of predictive AI in financial performance management. But don't worry, we haven't forgotten about the complexities of the paper's content. We're going to break down each section and make sure those who aren't finance gurus can grasp these innovative concepts. Stay tuned as we decode the intricacies of AI, unravel the mysteries of financial statements, and reveal how businesses can harness predictive models to forecast their financial future like never before. This is revolutionary stuff, and we're just getting started. Are you tired of your taste buds being as bored as a ghost in an empty house? And ready to make your meals go from meh to mayday? Then buckle up, spicy spirits, because Phantom Flare Inc. is about to turn up the heat. With our apparition elixir, you're not just getting a bottle of hot sauce. You're getting a paranormal, pepper-packed party in every drop. It's so intense, it's rumored that with every splash, the spectral chili pepper appears. And yes, dear listeners, with Phantom Flare's ghost pepper hot sauce, you'll unleash the spirit of spice. But wait, there's more. Each bottle comes with a pair of specter specs. So you can actually see the ghoulish guardian giving your grub that gusto. Dare to dine with the deceased? Then let your taste buds boo in delight. Phantom Flare Inc., where every meal is an ethereal thrill. Get your apparition elixir today, and remember, together, the flavor is out of this world, but the heat is very much alive. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of our podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen, co-hosting along with Tom. Today, we've got a pretty exciting topic that blends economics with policy, the concept of optimal taxation, and something known as the Domar-Musgrave effect. Absolutely, Jen. It's a topic that's so relevant given the endless debates about tax policy and its impact on our economy. Now, let's try to make sense of it in a way that everyone can understand. Optimal taxation is all about finding the sweet spot where taxes are set at rates that maximize social welfare without shrinking the tax base. That's right, Jen. Imagine you're the government and you have a buffet of tax options in front of you, taxing labor, capital income, and consumption. The question is, what portions do you pick to keep everything balanced and the people happy? To unravel this, Tom, we need to jump into a tractable economic model. We've got agents in this economy who are juggling bonds, physical capital, and dealing with investment risks and uncertainties about their own longevity. 
The government, playing the role of a social planner, is trying to find tax rates for labor income, capital income, and consumption that hit that sweet spot Jen mentioned. Now, imagine if the government could share investment risks with entrepreneurs by saying, hey, if you win, we win with taxes, but if you lose, we'll shoulder some of the pain through tax breaks. That, Jen, is the crux of the Domar Musgrave effect. By sharing in the investment risks, the government actually encourages more investment because the downside isn't as scary for entrepreneurs anymore. And it gets more interesting. If entrepreneurs are borrowing to invest, and they're right on the edge of their borrowing limits, the Domar-Musgrave effect can lead to them actually investing more rather than less, even with capital income taxation. So in some cases, it makes sense to tax capital income. But as the risk aversion of agents and the volatility of entrepreneurial productivity go up, the optimal capital income tax rate can fluctuate immensely. Indeed, it's like walking a tightrope where even a slight change in parameters can lead to big swings in what is considered the optimal tax rate. In our numerical analysis, where we get down to the nitty-gritty of the model, we find that taxing consumption can bring about significant benefits, even overshadowing any need to tax labor income at all. That's a huge point, Tom. Uh, in fact, consumption tax is often the unsung hero in this narrative, non-distortionary and progressive, because it hits higher-income individuals who spend large amounts of capital more so than lower-income folks. Looks like we've wrapped our heads around this topic, Jen. Optimal taxation isn't about choosing one tax over another. It's about finding the right blend that aligns with the economic environment and the welfare of the agents within it. Exactly, Tom. It's complex, it's intricate, but essential for public policy, which is why discussions like these are so important. And that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you all for tuning into our show, where we break down the complexities of economics into digestible bits. Until next time, keep those economic gears turning. And remember, tax policy is as much an art as it is a science. Hey, listeners, ever wanted to glide through the streets like an ancient wizard on holiday? Well, now you can with Runes on Wheels, Inc., the only rollerblades that combine the thrill of skating with the mystery of a midnight seance. Each pair comes with its own set of enigmatic runes that might, or probably won't, let's be honest, unlock the secrets of the universe. Or at least unlock a barrage of compliments on your rad new wheels. That's right, Tom. With Runes on Wheels, it's less about the actual magic and more about feeling like the, the coolest spellcaster on the block. Forget training for years in a dusty old tower. Just strap on these bad boys and you'll be skating the mystic path in no time. Just be warned. While you may feel faster than a speeding broomstick, the only thing that's enchanted here is the way you'll look. Perfect for wizards, witches, and even muggles who've always wanted to add some pizzazz to their push-off. So what are you waiting for? Get your own set of runes on Wheels, Inc., where our magical results are as consistent as a chocolate teapot. But hey, who needs real magic when you have style? Skate the mystic and stylistic path today. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen, here to navigate some of the complex waters of finance and insurance with you. Today, we're diving into the thrilling world of catastrophe insurance 
and optimal dividend strategies. Oh, it sounds like a storm's a-brewing. Indeed, Jen. But before we batten down the hatches, let's talk about what catastrophe insurance actually is. Catastrophe insurance, or CAT insurance for short, is designed to protect against major unexpected events. Think earthquakes, floods, hurricanes. That's right. And insurers need strategies to handle the financial risks associated with these events. One of the strategies at play is how and when they pay out dividends to shareholders. Exactly. It's all about finding that sweet spot. Pay out too much, too often, and you risk depleting the funds needed when disaster strikes. Pay out too little, and investors might take their capital elsewhere. Now, traditional insurance models often assume claim events come at a constant flow, but that's not the case with catastrophes. They're irregular and can be intense when they do occur. Which is where the beauty of a Schottnoise-Cox process comes in. This is a mouthful, but essentially it's a model that allows the claim frequency to jump suddenly in response to random events. Right? The process is Markovian, meaning its future fluctuations only depend on the current state, not the path taken to get there. This two-dimensional wonder not only takes into account the current wealth or surplus of the insurer, but also the current rate of claims, which could spike following a catastrophe. And this leads us to a conundrum described in the paper, Optimal Dividend Strategies for a Catastrophe Insurer, by Hans-Jörg Albrecher, Pablo Escue, and Nora Mueller. In their study, they ask a key question. How can a CAT insurer manage its dividends wisely to maximize shareholder value while still staying afloat in the event of a disaster? It's a stochastic control problem. And for those playing buzzword bingo, that's gold. The authors show that the solution to this problem is the smallest viscosity super solution of a Hamilton-Jacobi-Bellman equation. Ah, the HJB equation, everyone's favorite partial differential equation, right? Oh, absolutely, Jen. But for those who might not spend every Friday night with a math textbook in simple terms, it gives us a way to determine the best strategy in complex situations using calculus. The best strategy turns out to involve dynamic barriers or bend levels. So as the surplus and intensity levels shift, so do our strategies on dividends. It's like financial surfing. And who doesn't love catching a good fiscal wave, Jen? Through numerical modeling, the paper quantifies the benefits to shareholders when an insurer includes catastrophe coverage in its portfolio. The bottom line here is that having a diversified portfolio that includes cat insurance can allow a company to be nimble with its dividend strategy, and this can indeed increase its value. That's a wrap for today's episode. Stay tuned for more finance adventures and remember to keep your portfolios diversified and your dividend strategies optimal. Thanks for listening and see you next time on the waves of actuarial science and financial risk. Are you tired of the same old bland kitchen routine? Then it's time to take a whisk on the wild side with Potion Ladle Pizzazz Inc. Transform your tedious Tuesday taco night with our Chopomatic Spell Spoon and watch as it dices, slices, and juliennes with just a flick of the wrist. And why settle for a silent simmer when your cauldron crockpot can serenade your spices to supernatural perfection? Our Bewitched Blender not only mixes the meanest margaritas, but also showers your kitchen with show tunes. But wait, stir up a cauldron of fun with our pièce de résistance, the ladle of limitless libations. It pours more than just punch. Want a wizard's whiskey? No problem. How about a gargoyle gin? Easy peasy. Let's not forget our unicorn frappe. 
that'll make your taste buds trot to a fantastical beat. So, why stick to the mundane when you can dine with the divine at Potion Ladle Pizzazz, Inc.? Call now and turn your next meal into an Epicurean enchantment. Potion Ladle Pizzazz, Inc., where every meal is a magical merry-go-round. Thank you.